This is the Daily Signal podcast for Monday, February 25th. I'm Rob Bluey, Editor-in-Chief. And I'm Rachel Dal Judas. Today, we're featuring an interview with Alfredo Ortiz. He's the president and CEO of Job Creators Network, a group that advocates for small businesses. We spoke to him about their success in the Trump era and how he's living his own American dream. We'll also share some of your letters. Plus, Michaela Stedman talks to Dunin Stang about a campaign for Americans to adopt Medal of Honor recipients. We'll have her interview. Before we get to our show, we'd like to ask for your help. If you enjoy the Daily Signal podcast, please spread the word, subscribe, rate us, and give us a five-star review on iTunes. Each weekday, we're here to deliver factual news and interesting interviews. Please help us make sure we continue to grow and reach others. Thanks for listening. Up next is our interview with Alfredo Ortiz. Alfredo Ortiz and his organization, Job Creators Network, played a critical role in the passage of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act in 2017. Now he's working to defend it and share the good news about its success. Alfredo made news last week when his organization purchased a billboard in Times Square calling out Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez for her opposition to Amazon. That's right, Rachel. It created quite a buzz, and it prompted the congresswoman to attack Alfredo personally as well as his organization. And although our interview took place before the billboard controversy, we hope you enjoy Alfredo's story and the work he's doing. Let's roll the interview. Well, Fredo, as the president of the Job Creators Network, can you tell us a little bit about the work you do and the reach of the organization? Yeah, absolutely. And Rachel, thank you, too, uh, for having me. Um, I, you know, look, I could not be more excited. Uh, I must have one of the best jobs on, on, on the face of this planet because we're able to really help provide support and advocacy for 30 million small business owners across the country that employ about 60 million hardworking Americans. So when you think about that, Right, the ability to help in a positive fashion, 90 million plus hardworking Americans in this country. I couldn't be more uh, more proud about the work that we're doing. Uh, we've got a great team. Um, you know, the Job Careers Network was actually started by Bernie Market, um, and not not Bernie Sanders, but Bernie Market. Uh, very important differentiation here. But Bernie started the Home Depot, which today employs 400,000 hardworking Americans. Actually, more than that now. But when you go back to this creation, Bernie actually was fired at 48, um, pretty much was broke, and at 52, through hard work and just believing in the American dream and believing in an idea, at 52, he started the Home Depot with two stores in Atlanta. And then from there, he grew to what it was today. So he remembers all too well what it's like to be that hardworking small business owner where you put everything on the line for and that you work so hard for, and he just felt especially under the previous administration that, you know, support for small business owners was just not there. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why he started Job Creators Network is to really provide advocacy and a voice for small business owners. And frankly, one of the other things that he felt was part of the success of Home Depot was an ability for leadership and management at Home Depot to have honest conversations and dialogue with the employees, with supervisors about how government policy impacts your pocketbooks and your livelihoods on a daily basis. Um, never told them how to vote, but just told them the facts about how things were going to impact them, whether it was good or whether it was bad. And I think that was one of the things we've actually, uh, we call it the employer to employee education program, uh, was really kind of the DNA and the genesis, uh, also of the job creators network. So again, we have that, uh, education piece, which helps employers now educate employees on how those policies 
impacts uh, impact its employees, uh, which really is, if you know small business owners, they really are family members for all intended purposes, right? So it really impacts the family of the small business. Um, but then also uh, advocates for small businesses and really gives small business owners a, a megaphone across the country to talk about the success stories that they have, uh, but also kind of the trials and tribulations that it took for them to really get to where they were today in terms of success. Well, let's talk about some of those stories. Your uh, organization, Job Creators Network, was heavily involved with hitting the road and getting out to communities all across this country to support and pass tax reform in 2017. How did those personal stories and experiences help shape the debate around that issue? You know, that's a great question, Rob. I, it, it was so visible, actually, how it, it really impacted. We had a great story, for example. One of the stops that we had was in Wakanda, Illinois. Uh, Nicole Walter, CEO uh, of a uh, manufacturing company, H&M Manufacturing, out there. Um, and, and it's quite a juxtaposition. You know, she's a female, Hispanic. She's about five feet tall. Um, and all of her employees, 16 employees around her, you know, they're like all these guys about another foot taller than her. And, you know, but there she is right in the middle of the shop floor working hard. Um, and I remember getting off the bus and she's giving me a tour of the facility and she has the speech in her hands that she was going to give, but she's talking to me about the trials and tribulations that they had gone through. And the mom and da- you know, her mom and dad had started the business. She took it over. They're still actively involved in it, but she's really managing as a CEO. And she was going through and I asked her, I said, you know, Nicole, I said, I got to ask you one question. This speech that, that you have in your hand, is it basically what you're telling me right now on this tour, or is it going to be focusing a little bit more on success? Because one of the things I've noticed is that small business owners don't really like talking about the trials and tribulations they went through. They like talking about their success, right? Probably like all of us do. And she goes, well, no, no, I want to talk about how successful this is and you know how we got here and what we're doing over here. And I said, Nicole, promise me, talk just about the story here that you've talked to me about here while you're giving me the tour of the shop floor because it is so moving. And that's what she did. And right there in front of our tax cut bus that, you know, traveled, you know, almost 40,000 miles last year, uh, talking about the success that she had in terms of, you know, what was going on, what happened with the tax, right, and really providing those stories. And, and, and so that was really kind of selling the win. In 2017, people were telling the stories about what they would do with those tax cuts, right, how they would invest back in their employees, back in their businesses, buying machinery, buying, you know, different equipment, hiring more people, giving higher wages, better benefits, right? And so these were real-life stories, real people, real hardworking small business owners. And I have to tell you, we any, any politician that was actually part of that tour, they came with their little speech ready. By the time our small business owners were done talking about their stories, and in some cases the employees, they put away that speech because it was so moving, right? It, it, it told the story right there. There was no need to really sell anything beyond that. You would hear it straight from the horse's mouth, straight from these small business owners that really work 24-7 to run their businesses. And it was just so powerful. Well, Fredo, your organization helped connect me to several people that I profiled, uh, including Joseph Sempervivo. He was the founder and CEO of Joseph's Light Cookies. And because right. of tax reform, he was able to make five additional hires for his business and raise pay, among some other things. How are those businesses benefiting today from tax reform? You know, I mean, they're still growing strong, obviously, um, really being able to grow their businesses. Um, every single one of those, uh, you know, that I, I think I mentioned to you, you may have profiled or talked to Joseph, uh, you know, continues to grow his business, investing back in the employees. And he, he talked about the benefits that, 
you know, really uh, trickled, you know, uh, not trickled, but really kind of rippled through the entire his organization uh, in terms of the benefits of, for example, he said, you know, one of his employees said, hey, you know, now I'm going to go out and buy a new car. And I love how Joseph kind of talked about it because when you think about that, think about all the people that that impacts, right? When you go out and buy a new car, you buy it from a dealership, right? And it has a salesperson, right? Somebody had to build the car, right? So you think through all the different uh, aspects of how that positively you know, really ripples throughout the economy. And that's why we have the economy that we have today, which is really kind of the envy of the world. I mean, we truly are the envy of the world right now in terms of the economy. But it really comes down to, I think, the investment uh, that went back into the economy through these tax cuts, right, allowing small business owners to really keep more of their money so they can do what they need to do and what they do best, which is investing back in their businesses and growing them. Uh, And frankly, the regulations, cutting all that red tape, that was a big, big part of all of this as well. So kind of the, the, the combo of those two, uh, really went a long way to helping all of these small business owners. Alfredo, how did you find these businesses and how can others who maybe you haven't been in touch with and have stories to share like Joseph, how can they get in touch with you to share their stories? Well, um, last year, you know, we started uh, our campaign, the taxcutswork.com uh, campaign. So we went around, I mentioned to you on the bus, last year we actually had two buses traveling across the country literally from New York State to Washington, down to Southern California, to Miami, you know, down to Houston, and then points in between. Uh, we had about 50-plus stops in 29 states. Um, you know, and also even on our website, we had almost 6,000 stories that came in from small business owners. I mean, we were actually pretty overwhelmed. I mean, as you know, that's a heck of a lot of stories to come through online because small business owners are just running their business. They rarely have time to, you know, take uh, you know, away from that to do this kind of stuff, but, but they just wanted their stories out there. So taxcutswork.com was a campaign we started last year. We're continuing it through this year because we got to keep selling the win. Um, unfortunately right now, I mean, it seems like all we are talking about uh, in, in the media is this green new deal thing. Well, and I think part of that is because I don't think the Democrats want to talk about a growing economy. Um, and, you know, th- you know, 304,000 jobs being created in, you know, the last, uh, you know, saving 5 million net new jobs. I mean, most of those, frankly, you know, two-thirds of new job growth is in the hands of small business owners. So, again, I mean, we, we got to keep on talking about this wonderful success. So we use that website as, you know, one of the key portals for folks to go on there, you know, talk about. We've got a, calcu- a tax calculator on there, for example, so, you know, uh, folks also understand what kind of uh, percentage they're actually paying in terms of taxes, you know, with their refunds, because, you know, one of the things people were saying, oh, look, the refunds are smaller. See, we told you that the tax cuts were, were not for you. Well, people were getting more of their money, right, and giving less what I call interest-free loans to the government throughout the year by being able to keep more of their money and spending it the way they thought versus giving it to the government, right? And so throughout the year, they were able to get more, first of all, and then also they are able to get the refund checks. And basically, we're hearing people across the board are saying, no, we actually are getting even a bigger refund than last year. So, um, again, consumer optimism for us is great, what we're hearing on the road. But more importantly, our small business owners' confidence um, is, is, is high. Well, Alfredo, thanks for sharing that those stories. It is uh, it is really quite remarkable to hear the number of people who contacted you, and and certainly at the Daily Signal, as as you know, and as our listeners know, we uh, make it a 
point to reach out to those individuals and put a human face and personal stories on a lot of these policy issues. Now, I want to go back to that point you just made, because we have seen in recent days some media reports about Americans who are complaining that the refunds are smaller from the IRS. Uh, Of course, much of that, as you indicated, has to do with how much they're personal withholding. So it's, in many cases, a case-to-case basis. Uh, Are you surprised at all, though? It seems that the media immediately latches on to these types of stories and yet fails to report so much of the good news that's going on. You know, Rob, I have to tell you, I guess I shouldn't be disappointed. I should probably expect that at this point. Uh, but, but that just seems to be the MO for, for most of the media. I mean, thank goodness folks like yourselves are out there trying to, you know, make sure that, that the real news is actually put out there. Because, um, you know, if you look at December, for example, the, the, the media, I, I, I would probably say, almost single-handedly pushed this into a recession, even though the, all the fundamentals weren't there. Now, you know, we, we pushed back on the Fed hard, uh, for example, and, and, and I'm glad President Trump did as well, because the Fed really was doing our economy a disservice. There was no need to be taking the interest rate hikes that he was doing. So we're glad that that happened. But when you also look at the media, right, you would literally would have thought that we were in the middle of a recession, even though we had record low unemployment, right? Uh, you know, jobs, 7 million plus jobs were created. I mean, there are actually now more people working than, the, than they're unemployed, right? I mean, it's, it, it's crazy how strong the economy, you know, was. Yet that wasn't the story that was being portrayed. You would have thought completely that it, it, it was, you know, we're in the middle of a recession, we're about to go on the brink of recession. So obviously in January, we've seen, you know, re- record uh, uh, stock, uh, you know, stock levels now. I mean, in terms of where they're going and the recovery, it's one of the strongest January stock markets they've seen. And people all of a sudden are feeling better. Um, but, but again, it's, it's just sad. I mean, I, I've got to point out one story, if you don't mind, uh, you know, Robin, Rachel, it was in the Wall Street Journal, actually. Um, and it was just last week, we actually... Um, uh, did some 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 uh, tweets on this because I just couldn't believe it. The headline in the Wall Street Journal said, "Small businesses are waving the caution flag," and it was a based on a Wall Street Journal Vistage Small Business CEO survey. And I encourage you to go uh, grab this if you haven't seen this already. And I looked through it because I'm like, this just doesn't make sense. It just does not jive with what our small business owners are saying to us, with what we're hearing, what people are calling us with, and sending, you know, their emails and. And so I looked at it a little bit more, and I went through the questions, right, all the way down the questions of this poll on which this headline and this reporter had reported this on. Let me just read you two things, and let me you tell me if this sounds like, uh, you know, that this was a recession or that these small business owners were in trouble. Do you anticipate your firm's sales revenues will increase, remain about the same, or decrease during the next 12 months? A whopping 93% of these small business CEO respondents said remains the same or increase. And of that 93%, 70 points of that, right? 70% said increase. And here's the one other one I want to point out. Do you expect your firm's total number of employees will increase, remain about the same, or decrease during the next 12 months? 96% of the CEO respondents said remain the same or increase, with 64 points of that 96 points being increased. I tell you, I was a small business owner myself. The last thing I would ever contemplate doing is hiring employees if I thought I was going to have a rough 12 months ahead of me. But, you know, this is the kind of reporting. Wow. Thank you for sharing that, Alfredo. Aside from tax reform and deregulation, what other policies from the Trump administration would you point to as helpful to small businesses? You know, we uh, we went on tour uh, also in 2016. We actually did a national survey asking small business owners what was really hurting them back then. 
it really was just too much red tape. Taxes were too high. But, you know, the other thing that was hurting them was lack of access to capital and credit because of Dodd-Frank. As you know, over 2,000 community banks uh, actually closed their doors. And a lot of these community banks were the ones that were really helping small business owners across the country, especially in rural, rural communities. Uh, when, th- when that went away, um, you know, small business lending really dried up and it was very, very difficult for small business owners to get their credit. You know, with, with the um, change that uh, the Trump administration just recently did uh, to Dodd-Frank to free up some of the, the limitations under that, small business uh, lending is back on and small business owners are able to get that credit and access. Um, and, you know, actually that whole fintech thing started growing out throughout, the, you know, during that process as well. And that's actually a good thing because I think there's an ability now for small business owners to find a couple of different ways of getting uh, access to capital and credit. But I would say those three were really the big ones that small business owners. And right now, actually, the biggest thing that they're facing, it's actually kind of, uh, you know, one, one of the, the issues I know in talking to the Secretary of Labor is actually qualified labor. When, uh, you know, across the country, when you have 7 million unfilled jobs, you just don't have enough qualified labor now. That's actually now the biggest issue for our small business owners, qualified labor. Well, Alfredo, you certainly have uh, quite a contrast between those policies of the Trump administration and what we're seeing now from the left. I'm talking about things like the Green New Deal or $15 minimum wage. What would those types of policies mean for small businesses? Well, you know, we're calling that the Green Rod Deal. Um, because that's literally what it is, right? I mean, it's a raw deal to the American public and especially to our way of life from free enterprise and the American dream. I mean, the idea that if you work real hard, play by the rules, you can be as successful as you want. You can be as rich as you want if you want to be, right? And now this green, again, they call it the Green New Deal. We call it the Green Raw Deal. It really is just another form of capitalism, excuse me, of socialism, right? And taking away. And one of the things that we like saying is, you know, that socialism takes, capitalism creates. And this Green New Deal is just socialism, right? It's just named, you know, different ways. But frankly, it's even beyond socialism. It's just crazy. When you look at some of the, some of the policies that it actually has, banning fossil fuel energy, completely eliminating 99% of the cars, eliminating air travel. I mean, I loved how the senator from Hawaii said, well, it's not going to be too good for us in Hawaii because it's going to be a little hard to get there, you know? Um, you know, gut and rebuild every single building in America. I mean, really? I, 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 you know, I, I think what you really boil down to is I think this is this is basically just a big smokescreen for the Democrats, right? So that think about how much time in the past two weeks has been spent across the media talking about the Green New Deal. A ton of time, right? We're talking about it right now. Instead of all the wonderful things about that are happening in the economy and all the great growth. And just the strength of consumer optimism uh, and, you know, strength of small business. Uh, it just continues to be out there, continues to be strong. Yet, you know, these kinds of policies, I have to tell you that I am so glad that Mitch McConnell called a floor vote, uh, you know, on this green, on the Green New Deal, because I will love to see which senators actually give the yes to this one versus just the present, right? I think the folks who early on came out of support, like Kamala Harris, I don't think they're going to have much of a choice. But I think what you're going to see is a lot of people that are going to say, you know what, I voted for it, but I voted not because of the specific policies, but because it was aspirational. And they're going to somehow link it to like Kennedy. What would have happened if Kennedy didn't say we wanted to go to the moon, right? Where would we be today, right? It's going to be one of those things because there's no way that somebody can honestly sit there and look at the American public and say these policies 
are policies that we can actually achieve and that are real policies for the American public. And that's going to launch our country into greatness. There's just no way. Well, Alfredo, your own parents are immigrants to the United States. How has their experience shaped you and the work you do today to help others pursue their own American dream? Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, it, it, it really did, did a lot. I mean, it's, uh, so much of, of who we are, obviously, is shaped by, by our childhood experiences. You know, I, I grew up in, in what was called Chula Vista, California, uh, just, uh, you know, next to the Mexican border. Uh, there was actually two sides of Chula Vista. There was the really pretty side of Chula Vista, and then there was the not-so-pretty side of Chula Vista, and I lived in what was called Chula Juana, because Tijuana was right there uh, in Mexico, right across, you know, across the border. Um, and so growing up, uh, my mom, uh, you know, uh, my dad was a tailor, but my mom and I used to go around on trash day, for example, uh, going through trash, collecting aluminum cans and newspapers, going to the YMCA, cashing that in, and that was our grocery money for the week. Uh, my mom was a housekeeper as well. I helped clean toilets, make the beds, you know, iron clothes. Um, and, and I think for that entire experience, um, it really taught me that hard work does actually pay off. And that was an incredible work ethic um, that, that I think, you know, really got planted in, in, in my mind. Um, it, you know, and, and, and again, so it's important to note, you know, we did receive handouts. For example, the USDA, uh, they did um, like surplus uh, type of handouts of bread, eggs, milk, and cheese. Um, but it, uh, my church was a distribution point for some of that stuff. But my long time is we, we can be volunteers because we have, you know, we're, we're hardy individuals that have hands, legs, and feet, and we're able-bodied. We can be volunteers. We set it up. We distribute everything out at the very end. Then we take our share, right? And that was a work ethic that, frankly, I remember every single day, right, that you work hard uh, and you play by the rules. Uh, but at the end, you know, you, you, you get what you what you deserve, which is through that hard work. And, and that really was something that was uh, implanted in, in my psyche uh, to this day. Well, that's just an inspiring story. Thank you for sharing that with us. In closing, I want to ask, you mentioned earlier in the interview, Job Creators Network's uh, website, uh, taxcutswork.com. Again, it's taxcutswork.com. Tell our listeners what they can find when they go there. Yeah, so, um, well, first of all, if they want more information just about Job Creators, they can go to jobcreatorsnetwork.com, and that's with an S, jobcreatorsnetwork.com. Uh, and the taxcutswork.com site really is focused on the Tax and Jobs Act, kind of the benefits there and stories from small business owners um, in terms of, you know, how they have benefited and what they're doing with those tax cuts. But we also have, for example, a tax calculator on there that helps people understand how they have actually benefited from the tax cut um, and the percentage of taxes that they're paying now versus what they used to pay. Uh, because again, as we've already talked about, because of the changes in these withholding tables, uh, in other words, you know, the amount of money that your employer basically has to send back uh, to Uncle Sam, you know, throughout the year in terms of taxes, um, those are basically interest-free loans, right? So that number went down throughout the year, so you were able to keep more of your own money. Um, but then you also put in your refund. So you'll actually see what your percentage that you paid this year versus last year is. And, and except for, in, you know, in some of those, you know, cases in the these salt, you know, high-tax uh, states like New York, and I think you've seen Cuomo's, you know, pleading basically with, uh, with President Trump, you know, to try to repeal that because he actually wants to help the top 1%. I mean, it's super ironic. Uh, but that tax calculator will really show uh, what that benefit is for the Tax and Jobs Act. So there's a lot of good stuff there. We encourage people to go there. Well, Alfredo, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. 
Thank you so much, Rachel. I appreciate it. Do you have an opinion that you'd like to share? I'm Rob Bluey, Editor-in-Chief of The Daily Signal, and I'm inviting you to share your thoughts with us. Leave us a voicemail at 202-608-6205 or email us at letters at dailysignal.com. Yours could be featured on The Daily Signal podcast. Thanks for sending us your letters to the editor. Each Monday, we feature some of our favorites on this show and in our Morning Bell email newsletter. Rachel, who's up first? Well, first, we have a letter from Carrie Lynn Siegel from Delray Beach, Florida. She writes, I love Morning Bell, Heritage Explains, and the SCOTUS 101 podcast. I recently heard the Right Side of History podcast for the first time, and it also lived up to the character and integrity of the Heritage Foundation. I'm 47 and grew up in two Southern Baptist parochial schools, so I learned about American history and government. I didn't pay much attention until my sophomore year of high school and have forgotten most of what I knew. Therefore, I would appreciate your recommendations on what to read to re-educate myself. I trust your recommendations because, like you, I am a conservative. Thank you for giving us conservatives a voice. Well, that's a great letter from Carrie Lynn. We uh, we encourage you to obviously visit DailySignal.com uh, for that uh, news on a daily basis, but also Heritage.org, which I think, Rachel, contains a lot of information that people find useful um, and probably some students, too, for their research projects. So check it out. Up next, we have a letter from Glenna Wilger, who sends us another comment about Hawk Newsom. He's the Black Lives Matter activist we interviewed on the show earlier in the month. Glenna writes, Thanks for this interview. I'm a conservative, but I'm also a Christian and believe that compassion is required of those who follow Christ. For this reason, I support border security, but I also support those who seek refuge and a better life in our country. God has blessed us with the most amazing country in the world, but that doesn't mean we can't open our doors to people who are truly seeking a safer, better life. In fact, it means we should. Your interview with the leader of Black Lives Matter was the push I needed to rejoin Heritage. We have to sit down with folks we disagree with and listen to their side of the story, too. We have to love our neighbors as ourselves. Your letter could be featured on next week's show. Send an email to letters at dailysignal.com or leave a voicemail message at 202-608-6205. Do you own an Alexa? You can now get the Daily Signal podcast every day as part of your daily flash briefing. It's easy to do. Just open up your Alexa app, go to settings and select flash briefing. From there, you can search for the Daily Signal podcast and add it to your flash briefing so you can stay up to date with the top news of the day that the liberal media isn't covering. We're joined in our studio now by Michaela Stedman, who has an interesting story to share this week. Yes, I do. Thank you, Rob. Every year on the National Medal of Honor Day, recipients of the Medal of Honor gather in Washington, D.C. This year, the event is taking place on March 25th. Three years ago, Janine Stang sang the national anthem at the event. Some of you may have heard of Janine, who was the first person to sing the national anthem in all 50 states. In fact, we covered that story on The Daily Signal. Yes, we did, and we'll link that down below. This year, Janine is asking Americans nationwide to write letters to Medal of Honor recipients, which she will deliver at the event mail call style. I got to speak with Janine this week about her project, and I asked her about these veterans who received the letters. These are 
really the best role models to yeah. have. You know, we talk about a lot of times I speak in schools as well. And you talk about having character education, mm-hmm. somebody like a Medal of Honor recipient, Patrick Brady, you know, Gary Lee Luttrell, they are examples of selflessness, not saying for a kid to go and do what they've done, but to see how they love our country. They were there for something bigger than themselves. It wasn't a selfish act at all. And to meet them today, years after these things that they've done, they're still the nicest people ever, the most approachable, mm-hmm. kind total role models. So one thing I wanted to ask you is what experience you've had throughout this project that has stood out to you? There was a gentleman who wrote a recipient who was actually under him when he served. He told me that I'm going to send you a copy of the letter I'm writing him. I just want you to see it too. And reading his letter and just seeing this amazing respect as well as just this camaraderie you know, that he had, it wasn't somebody that was like, hey, I have no clue who you you are, but it was like, I served with you. This is where we were. For me, just to see that kind of stuff happen is an honor, you know, to be able to, in in a small way, facilitate that. Thank you for being with us here today, Janine. Are there any last things that you'd like to say to our listeners? You're not too young and you're not too old to make a difference. This is just a simple way to say thank you And I can tell you from witnessing the looks on all their faces that it means the world to them. You can send a letter by visiting Janine's website at janinestang.com. That's S-T-A-N-G-E Stang. We'll leave a link in the show notes. Wow, that's great. It's so good to hear from Janine again. She's had such a remarkable story traveling to all 50 states, and I'm glad to hear she's now helping those who won the Medal of Honor, too. So am I. Thanks for sharing that, Michaela. We're going to leave it there for today. The Daily Signal podcast is broadcast from the Robert H. Bruce Radio Studio at the Heritage Foundation. You can find it on the Ricochet Audio Network along with our other podcasts. All of our shows can be found at dailysignal.com slash podcasts. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And be sure to listen every weekday by adding the Daily Signal podcast as part of your Alexa Flash briefing. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review or give us feedback. It means a lot to us and helps spread the word to others. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Daily Signal and Facebook.com slash The Daily Signal News. The Daily Signal podcast will be back tomorrow with Kate and Daniel. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to The Daily Signal Podcast, executive produced by Kate Trinko and Daniel Davis. Sound designed by Michael Gooden, Lauren Evans, and Thalia Rampersad. For more information, visit dailysignal.com. Americans have almost entirely forgotten their history. That's right, and if we want to keep our republic, this needs to change. I'm Jarrett Stepman. And I'm Fred Lucas. We host The Right Side of History, a podcast dedicated to restoring informed patriotism and busting the negative narratives about America's past. Hollywood, the media, and academia have failed a generation. We're here to set the record straight on the ideas and people who've made this country great. Subscribe to The Right Side of History on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Stitcher today. What the heck is trickle-down economics? Does the military really need a space force? What is the meaning of American exceptionalism? I'm Michelle Cordero. I'm Tim Desher, and every week on the Heritage Explains podcast, we break down a hot-button policy issue in the news at a 101 level. 
through an entertaining mix of personal stories, media clips, music, and interviews, we help you actually understand the issues. So do this. Subscribe to Heritage Explains on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts today.